wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, it's, it's my fondest memory. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave for the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast presented by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. Virginia Tech beat Syracuse last Thursday night 38-10. to It took me back to the old days, Rob. What did you think? <laughs> Cheers to a blowout. Uh, that that was an amazing game. It did. It did. It took me back about a decade, probably, and Hokies football. So I I was ecstatic. It was an awesome game to watch for sure. Cheers to that. You'll notice I got my uh, incredible uncle mug here because it's noon on. <laughs> Wednesday. And so we, uh, no, no drinks, but I am going to talk about these beers because I was able to pick up the new Hardywood Fighting Hokies next Ooh. to Hefeweizen. And I want to talk about it a little bit later. And I got the can here. So, and you well, have we had will it get... you've tasted it? Yes. Yes. Okay, I was able nice. to, I shared some with Billy Ray Mitchell down in the Berg. Um, and then I, I had another one last night on Halloween. And I'll give my review a little bit later. Uh, playoff rankings are out, dude. And we are going to get to Syracuse. We're going to get to Louisville, all that stuff. But uh, two things I really want to cover before we get to that, and that is the first playoff rankings, which which hit the wire. I always talk about the AP poll on Monday, and that's what's kind of annoying about CFB Monday is like that the new rankings are never going to be out when I do that show. So it'll be a chance for me and Rob to go over the CFP rankings on this show, and Ohio State's number one. So that has to that has to please your wife and yep. uh, Georgia number two, Michigan three, and Florida State four. Is there anything that you see that jumps out to you about these rankings? It, it's really maybe just a strength of schedule. Given mm-hmm. Ohio State played Notre Dame out of conference, and you know some of those things. So um, no, it'll it'll iron itself out. Michigan's going to play Ohio State, so it's going to be, you know, that'll be irrelevant. That team will grab the number one spot, assuming that they, whoever wins that game. So I don't I don't think it really matters. The Washington versus Florida State is interesting. I could argue that Washington should be in there, maybe instead of Florida State, based on when they've looked, based on the Oregon game. They have a better win, in my opinion, um, than than. Um, uh, Florida State does, but I could go either way on that. Yeah, no, that those are all fair. I thought it was interesting that Oregon was ahead of Texas mm-hmm. because Texas has the Alabama win. Yeah, and clearly because, well, I guess supposedly clearly, nothing's really clear when it comes to the committee rankings. It's always a little bit tricky, but Oregon has a better loss 
I suppose, than Texas does, even though Texas's came on a neutral site. Oregon's was to an undefeated Washington on the road. Yeah. And Oregon has, you know, they've been playing really well. They just crushed Utah in Rice-Eccles, which is a big win for them. And so I found that interesting because if things hold and Oregon were to beat Washington, there's a good chance Oregon could be the one lost team in the playoff, which would agree with how I feel it may play out. Uh, Texas is also ahead of Oklahoma, which is yeah. funny because they lost to Oklahoma. So that's got to piss off the Oklahoma fans. And they purposely left Bama right in between there because Texas beat Bama and mm-hmm. it, it gives that separation. They clearly think Texas is much better than Oklahoma. Well, you you know what Oklahoma could do? They could beat Kansas and then they don't really have to worry about it, right? Isn't that Very one way true. to do it? Uh, that's yeah. one way to do it, man. Yeah. You're at number nine because you just lost to Kansas. So mm-hmm. that's that's why. Uh, so Yeah. And I, I would I was happy to see in this ranking system Louisville ahead of Notre Dame. Yeah. Because in the AP, Notre Dame is still several spots ahead of Louisville, a team they lost to. And so the two lost Notre Dame is behind a team they lost to. That makes sense. <laughs> to yes, me. correct. So we, our upcoming opponent is number thirteen. So that's that's cool. Top top fifteen yep. game for the Hokies. Uh, that should be a fun one, and we will get into it later. No JMU in this ranking, but the two G five teams that are in there are Tulane and Air Force at twenty four and twenty five. They never love those G five teams. No, <laughs> they no they always hate on them the most possible. Yep. The new ACC scheduling model is out. And this is the other thing I wanted to talk about with Robbie because this was big news. They put in SMU, Cal, and Stanford into the new schedule and they reworked it. And I was kind of expecting there to be nine games, like nine conference games going forward because there's 17 league teams now. And it's still eight games. And <laughs> they, they protected 16 matchups. And they're not all matchups that they had in the th- in the three pod model that we just had because the Miami Virginia Tech matchup is back. Yes, we got Miami Virginia Tech back. I was very excited to see that. Uh, the ACC is clinging on out of desperation to this eight game model. Every a lot of everybody else has moved to nine except for what the SEC, and it's like okay, whatever. Uh, we got seventeen teams in the conference. It's time to go to a nine games uh, you know conference schedule, but. Um, I, I was very interested are this, this came out better than I thought. I thought this could have been a disaster. I think that introducing Cal SMU and Stanford, um, they play eight conference games, all 17 teams will face each other at least twice through the next seven seasons. So there's one home game, one away game. Um, and you only play three times in California between now and 2030, uh, so mm-hmm. traveling. And you don't have to travel to California um, or the West Coast during consecutive seasons. So um, that, I think I think they balanced it pretty well. Um, yeah. We, yeah, they, we get Stanford next year. Uh, that's going to be... Uh, yeah, you're heading to wine country, you're going to do a little vacation. I feel like a lot of Hokies are planning that right now. <laughs> I mean go see the Rose bowl. You know, I guess, uh, I get that. I've never been out to that side of the country to go like watch any, anything. So I would just pop over, see what that monstrosity looks like, then go over, see the game. Um, so maybe make a, a little bit of a college football trip. I could probably do a full weekend of it. Yeah, dude. So yeah, we are at Stanford next year. I did notice a couple things about 
who we play the most. Because obviously we're playing UVA and in, in Miami the most because those mm-hmm. were our matchups that were protected. So that's seven times. But we play Clemson four times, Georgia Tech four times, Louisville four times, and Pitt four times. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't like to play Pitt. However, it's a it's a classic matchup, and yeah. I feel like it's good to have it four times. Playing Clemson four times is cool because it's Clemson. Uh, Georgia Tech that fits with you know uh, one of our co- old coastal opponents, and I do feel like there's a certain kinship with Louisville, uh, the Bourbon Bowl type yeah. type vibe. Uh, so that's cool that we play them four times, and maybe finally we'll get Louisville to come to Lane Stadium. At some finally, point. yeah, it's <laughs> never never going to happen. And I want to be clear: you may have a different thought on this. I hate Pitt, but I don't hate the matchup that is Pitt. I guess yes. it, it is a good matchup. I, when I see that game on the schedule, do not have good feelings about that game because I don't like Pitt. But that doesn't mean that it's not a good matchup, and that I don't think that they should play each other. Those are very different things. Um, yeah. I'm with you, and, but I do like the fact that we don't have to play them every year. <laughs> that, right. that, that's right. to me like that's that's the win here yep and i think that's all the notes i had on this we do get clemson at home next season yep. so that's that's pretty cool and clemson with the way they're playing hopefully they continue that play into next year when they come to lane <laughs> i don't it's it's a a blessing or a curse because if they are playing that way and you win the game, it doesn't have, you know, quite the clout that it would otherwise. So right. yeah, it's, it's doesn't not... have the gravitas to beat a four and four yeah. Clemson team as they stand right now. And then the Clemson fans are like, yeah, you beat us, but we were, we were dog shit at the time. So congrats. Right. <laughs> All right. Enough of that. We'll move to the depth chart injury update. Not too much here. Christian Epling is the new long snapper. Notice that on the depth chart and Stroman was said he's banged up. Um, mm-hmm or Pry was talking about him being banked up, but he did say that he's one of the tougher players on the team and he manages to come back. So we'll see. We'll see if Stroman is is good to go for this upcoming Louisville game. It would be but really nice to have him. That's, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. On the Louisville side, a couple weeks ago, they lost their starting right guard. He got injured before the pit game, like slipping on the grass or something like that. And he's done for the year. So that that's a big blow to Louisville, whose O line was been performing okay. I mean, obviously they're opening up holes for Jordan, so that that's a blow for them. So I, I did want to note that in the injury notes as well. College football Monday was was back at nine a.m. I had an awesome guest, Roger Sherman, join the show. If you're not familiar with who Roger Sherman is, he did a lot of articles for SB Nation back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows Ryan Nanny and and the Solid Verbal guys and Spencer Hall, and he was part of that group that like really had a lot of success in the college football world. And so he's doing that CFB road trip all across the country. I'm sure some of the listeners have seen it on Twitter and whatnot. And it was great to talk to him and ask him about his trip to Blacksburg because one of the games he finally went to was a game in Blacksburg. He had his home field fighting gobbler shirt on and he got to see a great game we chatted about the turkey legs at the game <laughs> did he have uh, a turkey long, leg he he did yeah. and he said he really liked he said it might be the best food he's had at one of the games this season wow yeah that is awesome <laughs> yeah wow. so it was a very cool interview please please check it out because uh between him and Spencer Hall, those are two of the best guests we've had in the past uh, past couple of years. Like really, really nerding out with those guys is awesome because they just love college football so much. 
pick'em leaders. Hokey Hustler is all alone in first place. Some spread, huh, is behind him by one game. Good job by you, Hokey Hustler. Keep it up. And lastly, Rob, I wanted to talk before we get into the game, just the trip to Blacksburg, because I did make my way down on Wednesday night. I was doing some work with Billy and Pat and the rest of the Suns, Ed and and everyone else that that helps them out. And we we're doing a little little basketball stuff Thursday morning before the game. So we went out to uh, Cabo Fish Taco on Wednesday night. We wake up early Thursday morning, head right over to the facility, and I got to meet Georgia Amore and Liz Kitley pretty much right off the bat. Nice. Um, so cool. They're very so so funny and so nice, and they they were very generous with their time. So that was awesome. And then I did we talked we got to meet Hunter Couture, Lynn Kidd, a handful of the other basketball players. MJ Collins was there doing some stuff for us. The Slam Jam video is coming out soon. I would say probably right around the beginning of basketball season. Okay. All the stuff we did. I mean, we had Billy and Pat out there on the floor. Like it was it was cool. It was a lot of fun. The Slam Jam will hit your hit your YouTube feeds soon enough, but I got to meet Mike Young too. Nice. Which, which was, he couldn't have not have been nicer. I mean, nicest guy thanked us like a thousand times for, for coming out and like covering the b-ball team, which like, it's our pleasure, of course. Yeah. Yeah, uh, But for for him, it's like, you know, he's, he's still shaking off that, you know, football school clout, even though mm -hmm. we we got a huge basketball program now. So that's awesome. That's cool that he, uh, he was appreciative of you guys coming out. And I think too, like we were there on a football game day and we're doing like all this basketball stuff. So that, that might've played into it too. So uh great day. Weather was perfect. We head over to German club for a little bit of tailgate in their yard because one, they're very close to the stadium and two, Pat, I think used to be president there or something. Right. So, uh, so we roll up there and then, you know, Greg, he was yep. down with me his nephew is a freshman at Virginia tech. Like right. that's how old we are right now. Dude. And so he's like, I really want to go meet up with, with my nephew. He's over on center street. I'm like, Oh, like I've, wow. I've never been to center street because that wasn't a thing. And it wasn't when we were, when it we didn't were exist. Yeah, it didn't exist. So we roll over there and that's pretty close to the stadium too. I didn't really know exactly where it was. I mean, just a sea of young Hokies everywhere like houses all playing music like people as far as yeah i can see filling an entire block uh cops just like letting you walk by with drinks like it was wow it was so cool and so fun i mean yeah i was way too old for the crowd i'm doing the how do you do fellow kids yeah but <laughs> did you shave beforehand to see if you oh, would, I, like fit in a little bit um, i was clean shaven like i looked yeah. about it like i do now you know i tried to look as young as possible mm -hmm. but uh man it was it was great and uh then we went over the game and the game we, we're going to talk about that heck of a game i got the monkey off my back of getting a win so that was really nice <laughs> And I realized that I went to the last time we won a Thursday night game, that that 2016 Miami game, which I think you were at with me too. Yes, we were. Um, yeah, that was 2016. Man, that was a long time ago. But yeah, and because where did we record for that? I think um, we went to River Mill. Yeah, River Mill. That's where we recorded for that one. That was awesome. That, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Um, it was so much fun. But yeah, we finally got got off the schneid at home on Thursday night, got a big win. So let's get into the game recap. Yeah. It was 23 to nothing midway through the second quarter. And there was just a sense at that point, at least to me, that it was yeah. over. 
Syracuse couldn't do anything on offense. They punted on the first five drives. We scored on our first six drives, and Tech won 38-10. to 10. The second half really wasn't much to speak of, but as always, I'm going to play you guys the calls from this week. I had the brilliant idea that I was going to take a shot every time we scored, and thus far, out of five possessions, they have scored five times. And it ain't even halftime, so pray for me because my ass got to work tomorrow. I had as many rushing yards as Syracuse. I have five pumpkin beer. The offense started out hot, continued throughout the game. Only place where we have room to grow is in red zone offense. We got to be able to punch those things in for touchdowns. And Kyron Drones is the best quarterback to ever touch a football field. We are watching God gift the football. Go Hokies! Had some Whitley's nuts, the official nuts of Virginia Tech. Pretty good stuff. Hokies dominated on offense as well as defense. Defense was absolutely lights out. Eight sacks in the game. APR is a machine. I mean, we got Louisville up next. I mean, that was one of those games I was looking at. I was like, you know what? I'm not looking forward to it. I'm happy I don't have a ticket to it. Now I'm thinking, you know what? I wish I had a way to get to Louisville. And Tyron Drones win a game away from Lane Stadium. It would be interesting to see. They've just been dominating ever since uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, let's hope it continues. I love this team. I love this. I love this defense. Man. What growth from this team. Go freaking Hokies. Hey, guys. Look, I just want to call you real quick. Tell you my favorite part of the game was when we did the f***ing and we didn't stop doing the f***ing until the goddamn clock hit zeros. Go f***ing Hokies. Everybody give them the f***ing swings. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. That is the first. Is that the first bleep you've had to do? On... I, I, I actually downloaded a bleep sound effect and I had to throw it in because we do have a sponsor on the show that I, I do. Yeah. We never cursed a ton with the F-bomb. We, we, you know, there's there's some... There's some shit and there's some other stuff, damn and whatever. Yeah. But we don't drop too many F bombs. We have many oh, times yeah. over the But years. it's <laughs> usually like when we're either very angry or yeah. like something very much annoys us and then we'll drop it. And and typically I think the listeners have picked up on like when we are really frustrated and that may happen because my mm-hmm. concern is if people are on a road trip listening and they got kids in the back and then like it's just unexpected and like all of a sudden it gets dropped, you know, that's that's not great. It happens with my daughter all the time and I just like, <laughs> you know, I just deal with it. I just mute the radio real quick. But yes, I agree. And so I dropped dropped the bleeps in there. And you know, in some ways it makes it funnier. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> like it makes it better to have the bleeps because there were so many bleeps. But what a great call! Uh, thank you guys for calling. If you want to get in on the reaction line, it's five four zero two five one two one six nine. Have some bourbon this Saturday. Give us a call. I'll have the bleep button ready, <laughs> and, and we always appreciate you guys calling. Speaking of that sponsor, Two Deep Pokies Under the Influence is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. We love a local family-owned and operated business, and that's what you get with McCoy's. They've been around since 1980. They offer full service. They'll, they'll fix your engine, rebuild it from scratch. They, they can do just about anything with a car, oil changes, state inspections, whatever you need. They also have tires. They will sell you almost any brand of tires, an optional pickup and drop-off service if you can't get to the shop from work, which is clutch. 
So head to McCoy's Auto Repair for all your vehicle maintenance needs this fall and into the winter, or give them a call, 540-639-2933. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right on your screen, and they're a very easy find on Facebook if you just search for McCoy's. Just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. Story of the game, Rob. What's your story? Just absolute domination followed by shutting it down in the second half. And it's been a while since I felt like we were in a position that we could just turn on kind of the autopilot in the entire second half and really Mm -hmm. not have to worry about it. It it, it was pretty remarkable to watch. I I did not expect that going into the game. I I didn't expect, you know, a blowout of that magnitude um, as an option on the table. And if I did, I would have been like, yeah, I'll take that option. Uh, I'll go with that one. And uh, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. Billy asked me before the game, what am I, what am I thinking about it? Like as we're leading up, because you know, when you, all week you might feel one way and then as the game approaches you kind of like oh gosh i'm getting nervous i, I don't know how this is going to go but i predicted a 28 to 20 hokies victory mm-hmm. and man i did not see this type of dominance coming and and that was my story of the game was the dominating defense mm-hmm. and the big holes in the run game that was my two part story for this because we did see some gigantic holes 318 rushing yards for this team most of the brent pry era and that's something I feel like I've been saying a lot lately. Yes, you have. But that is, put that on repeat. That and the bleep button, we can just say most of the Brent Pryor era. I like it. It wasn't Kyron's best game. How do you think he played? A uh, lot of overthrows. Uh, a lot of, you know, really just not close at all throws. I mean, he... He had 194 yards, a touchdown, went 15 for 24. He ran it eight times for 56 yards. He didn't do any damage. He he was not the most elected. And he didn't, but he didn't need to. You know, Tootin and um, Thomas, even heck, when we brought in uh, Chance Black and, um, and Duke later in the game, they had seven rushes for 28 yards. So he, he, he let the offense do its thing quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those yards came on the pass to Felton, uh, the or passes to Felton and, and Lane. So um, I, I, it was not his best performance, but it didn't need to be, is my, is my takeaway. Yeah, I, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. For how well we were playing as a team, he did just fine. Wasn't yeah. super sharp, as you said, some overthrows. But he, when you throw for 194 yards on 15 completions, like that's... That's yep. still pretty solid. Like you're you're getting some good chunks of yardage, and and it was funny because Malachi had the same amount of touchdowns as him in the past. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what a what a great throw by him. I know it was that play was awesome, and I guess maybe the story of the game, the offensive play calling was cool. I mean, it it brought out it it looked like the. Um, it looked like the screw it, you know what? We're going to just run like a fun offense and do like a lot of stuff and try and, you know, really take a next step in the evolution of what the Hokies offense is supposed to look like. And this is our chance to do it. And the defense is playing that way. So let's, let's go do it. And it, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And that's a great point because there were multiple trick plays. We did some creative stuff in the run game, misdirections, tossbacks, all that kind of really cool stuff reverse the the yeah. xavier Turver bradshaw reverse um yeah. 
that was that was good and that almost went for a lot longer too because he got tripped up and and it could have been a long game but Tootin ran well 118 yards and a touchdown 6.6 yards per carry and no long runs so it was a, a consistent hole and a consistent gain every single time he got the ball Malachi almost went for 100 himself and so that was great Felton the two touchdowns on three catches Jalen Lane had six catches yep <sighs> The five touchdowns for Lane on the year. Now four for Felton. Oh, Felton. Before, I think Tavion led us with five in 2021 in touchdown catches. Yep. But we haven't had anyone with over five touchdown catches since Hazleton. Wow. And so one of our guys already has it, and the other one has four. And we we didn't have a guy with more. I think Smith had three last year and that's who, who led us. Yeah. And so now we got two already over that level. So we're, we're getting some good production from the wide receiving core, despite having maybe a quarterback who, who's throwing isn't his strength. And we know he's had some good games throwing, but yeah, it's really nice production all the way around. And the, I can't, I mean, this offense, the change is just unbelievable. It is. It, it, it looks cohesive, even the trick plays and like the new, so they ran like kind of the um, outside zone on this in this one, and um, sometimes when a team comes out and like throws in a bunch of new stuff and puts it out on the field, it looks really sloppy. Like you're like, ah, you know, it's obviously new. They're kind of still installing it. They came out with new stuff, and it looked it wasn't it looked pretty crisp. I right. guess it looked um, relatively. Obviously, they rehearse it in practice, but when you get to a game day, sometimes it, it looks a little different. Um, that that was cool. And then eight for 16 on third down. I mean, yeah. you and I talked about, and, and that's not mind-blowing numbers. I mean, it's not like, you know, three-fourths or 75% on third down, but 50% on first down in comparison to what we were getting before, yeah. which was like in the 20s and sub-20s on third down percent. Um is a noticeable change and a, and a big one for a team that needed it. Absolutely. I, and just to one more thing on the offense. Do you think we owe Bowen an apology or do you think that he was just really, really bad for 15 games and our criticism was warranted? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I have some, I have some still thoughts out. on that too. Yeah. I, yeah. I like, let, let's put it this way. The offense completely changed. Like it, the, the, the style, the plays were running, everything completely changed from the pit game on. Mm-hmm. The first play of the pit game was essentially an option play. Mm-hmm. And to me, it just, the fingerprints of Brent Davis are all over this offense. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I, I'm not giving him an apology. He had one of the worst P5 offenses ever last yeah. year. And this year, it was absolute garbage until magically we find a new playbook before Pitt. Pry clearly was upset with how he, some of his commentary after that Marshall game was like, "We're this isn't good. I mean, he called Tyler Bone out last year at times, and he more or less called him out this year. And all of a sudden, we've got pitches. We've got reverses. We've got option plays. We've got toss sweeps. All of which is like an army offense. Mm-hmm. And so... To me, it seems like Brent Davis is like our co-offensive coordinator right now. Yeah, <laughs> that, I, I think that's right. And um, I, I will, I'm going I to let the next, I don't uh, the care. upcoming games, yeah, the, I, I'm going to let the upcoming games play out before mm-hmm. I get 
too judgmental on the past in comparison to where it is now because I want to see them against, not to preview, but against them against this uh, Louisville uh, defense, which has a very good run run defense. And I want to see what that looks like. And I, I do want to clarify, I am ecstatic about the mm-hmm. way this offense has looked. It is one of the better offenses I can remember Tech having in the past decade. Like it right now against these last couple, the, pit, the three home games that we've yep. won, you know, it's the first time we've won three consecutive ACC home games since 2019. Mm-hmm. It And that's probably the last time we had an offense that looked this good. But I think this one is more complimentary of itself in the way it's been working the I last agree. few weeks. Yep. And so I don't care who's who came up with the plays, what's happening. I'm excited. I just was like parsing it out of my head and like, how do we go from what we had to this without something like yeah. major shakeup? You know what I'm saying? Something happened. That is the only thing that is absolutely certain is, is something happening. You don't just wake up and have a dramatic change in the offense that looks different, looks different schematically and also works better. Yeah. quite frankly, and and it is more suited to the personnel that you're on the field. And I will also say this. Um, keep in mind, the offense was prepared for a quarterback that is not the quarterback that we have out on the field today. Now, that blame goes to a lot of people. Yes, I don't care. Yes, it does. I don't care that Bones in charge of or the offensive coordinator. That comes back to Pry. Like, he Pry should know from practice He's a defensive-minded coach. He should have known what drones brought to the offense versus what we were seeing before and Grant Wells. So um, that that blame on the pick goes all around, but the offense was schemed for somebody that's different than what we're seeing on the field now. And the scheme is appropriate for what we have on the field now in terms yeah. of the personnel. And And also, though, they had Chiron Drones not running this offense for a couple games. Like if we had run this offense versus Marshall, we win that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least uh, probably. I mean, I, I don't know. We, I would guarantee it. Uh, yeah. It, it, so, it's... so there's, there's a flaw there too. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so funny how we change the quarterback and all of a sudden we no longer have a talent problem, Robbie. It's funny. <laughs> it's, you know, you change the quarterback, you change the playbook. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same town. Ta- all I heard all of last year and for the first few weeks of this year was like, it's the talent. The talent's not good enough. And what did we keep saying? Yeah. The, the coaches need to get more out of these players. We are not this untalented. And what do you know? You yeah. bring in a new playbook. You coordinate the offense a little bit better. And all of a sudden, the, the offensive line can block a little. Like, yeah. I'm not saying they're great. Like, we know the offensive line has issues. Yeah. But, like, it's absolutely hilarious that exactly what we were saying, like the talent is not this bad. The coaches finally got their heads out of their butts and they started coaching. Yeah. I, I, I vivid remember if go back and listen to the podcast. Remember I said, do, do an old school, like, you know, school park select them between Duke players and Virginia tech players. And that was my analogy. And I guarantee you come away with a lot more Virginia tech players than you did. It is not a talent. Like, it is not where we want it to be, but that is not the crux of the issue. The issue is adapting. It never to the was. Team. Right. And we we said that so many times last year. Like they just they shouldn't have been playing that bad. It was a terrible offense, an absolutely piss poor design, something that Chris Coleman said, like it had no chance of success. Mm-hmm. And it had no chance of success in the beginning of this year either. We just happened to be better than ODU. And now we're running a great offense and I'm excited about it. And I'm sorry. I I, I do apologize. Any of that sounded negative. I'm just 
you know, we're trying to process what's changed with this team. And it is so exciting. Now the defense, that's a whole different can of worms. Cause I don't know what happened to the defense, but dang, the D was lights out all night against Syracuse. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel vindicated in my uh, commentary about the defensive line uh, at this point. And APR is now fourth in the fourth outright in the nation in sacks. He's causing a ton of disruption. Uh, Kendricks, Fuga, everybody's causing a lot of problems. Kendricks in this game, I think, had two sacks as well as I'm, yes, uh, also. Kelly Lawson. Um, led the team with seven tackles, the gap fits on the linebackers. It seems as though um, the coaching staff listened to, you know, feedback that it looked as though the linebackers were not actually coached to be linebackers. <laughs> um, and now it looks like they know how to, are reading the play and are fitting their gaps correctly, at least in this game. And I hate using one game and extrapolating it too much, but it, it, it was, you know, last week a little bit, it, it's progressively gotten, gotten better. Cause it was a little bit, it was pretty bad for a period of time there. Just 137 yards allowed. And I'm still looking for that rushing yard for seconds. Cause I'm not seeing it on my sheet. I'm seeing a big fat zero, which zero. is just remarkable. It's so remarkable considering where we're even against FSU, what we did in the rush game to, yep. to, to where it is now. Like, and, I know that Wake doesn't have a good offense, but Syracuse was running the ball a little bit. Trader is a dangerous player, and like there wasn't any space for anything to happen for them. And it was APR first yeah. play. APR continued all night long. He, we had eight sacks, which was talked about a lot, but we are now fifth nationally in sacks per game as a team. He is sixth nationally. And you're going to get that double digits, it seems like, as long as, you know, <laughs> nothing weird happens. Yeah, he's, I think, two back from the leader in solo sacks. Um, and he has outright, I think, fourth in solo sacks and maybe sixth in total sacks, which is like the half sack uh, gotcha. kind of situation. And then um, I thought the craziest stat I talked about going eight for 16 on third down, holding Syracuse to the old Ofer for nine on third down. They had no yeah. third down conversions. That... That is extremely difficult to do. Um, and um, it's amazing. I, it's, it's I, really and I know amazing. they had a lot of long third downs. Don't get me wrong. They were causing a lot of problems for themselves and shooting themselves in the foot a lot. But still, it is very difficult to do that. And because they were 0 of 9 on third down, they were not on the field at all. We had the ball for 42 minutes in this game. And that's one of the highest totals of the past 30, 40 years in terms of T.O.P. in a game. The Q's only ran 43 plays, wow. which was the second fewest plays run against a Tech team since 1987 when Beamer came in. So they just were, they couldn't stay on the field at all. Obviously, if you're going 0 of 9 on third down, you're not on the field very much. And we had 12 tackles for loss in the game, which would have been a season high, except for we just set the season high against Wake with 13. Yep. And if you go back, we haven't had more than 13 TFL in a game since the FSU game in 2018. Wow. And so now we've done 13, we've done 12, which most of the other level sets are, are 12. Like we've done that maybe three times in the past five years. So this we're in a rare territory right now with what we're doing, taking people down in the backfield. And I love to see Saxburg back at the, at the top of the national rankings. It's, it's sweet. Yep. 
five field goals for John Love, which you could you could view it as it's great for him. It's not so great for the offense because we were six for six in the red zone, but we did kick four field goals. Yeah, yeah, we did. And he had two in the second half. So the only point scoring we had was two field goals and a safety in the second half mm-hmm. of the game. And we we started to put in some of the backup running backs um, in the in the game, and we took our foot off the gas a little bit, and that also I think extrapolated itself into it. But yes, it it is not a very if we have a we have a terrible red zone um, defense, but our offense is is struggling I think to you know convert into to true touchdowns. So I think it's something that we need to keep on our radar and we need to work on uh, for sure. Yeah, and it, it could just be, it could just be like random, and it'll, yeah. and it'll start to to correct itself and regress to the mean. But yeah, right now we, we need to do better in the red zone, especially if we're going to beat Louisville. We got to be better in the red zone because I think for touchdowns we're 124th in the country in red zone TD percentage. Wow. So that's that is it's very very bad. Other special teams notice Tucker Holloway because. He was great. He had that 57-yard return in this game. Mm-hmm. And he's fifth nationally in punt return average. So he continues to do that and do that well. And we've been good blocking for him. Yes. He's a monster. Um, he he does some frightening stuff, I will tell you. I, I mean, he has – talk about a dude that's just like walking around with like a python between his legs because he catches <laughs> the ball sometimes where I'm like – Oh my goodness, he's going to get his head ripped off. But I, I kind of love it. But the, I definitely get the butterflies in my stomach because he'll have somebody barreling down on him, like seven yards away, full speed, catch the ball, and then make a miss and yeah. get some yardage out of it. Um, he's, he's got, he's got, he's got some nerve. I love it. Yeah, dude, and and he, he's a weapon. At one of these points, he's going to take one to the house, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I'm hoping it's this week because. This is going to be one of those games, as we'll get to, that we're going to need it from all angles, like yes. against Louisville. We really are. My takeaways from the Syracuse game were, one, it was a great night, and the second half was just – it was just a party in the stands. I mean, yeah. it really was. We had so much fun. Uh, I think Billy posted the Don't Stop Believing video because they had a GoPro in the in Section 5, and they are just videotaping. Like, it was a party. Like, that, that's the best way I can put it because – Second half was so great. We all felt like we were going to win. And every time we did something good again, it was like, you know, so much celebrating. So great game. But, and it wasn't as close as 38 to 10. Not even close. (laughs) Like if you look at the net success rate, we were above things like Kansas state who blanked Houston 41, nothing like we, our success rate was better than that. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 if we kept the gas on, uh, like, I think if the team really was focused on running up the score and that's what their directive was, I think this would have been like a, they could have got to like 50. Um, yeah. and Or just um, converted a couple of those field goals. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't, there was, that first half was so dominant, like so unbelievably dominant, like, you know, and there really was not much change. We came out like immediately and got a sack. I mean, got a safety like in the second half. And <laughs> right, I think, right. I think that's when the coaching staff are like, all right, guys, let's, you know, like I, Syracuse like, just couldn't compete. Like, no. I don't know what's happened to their own line, but they just, they could mm-hmm. not compete. And maybe it was the environment combined with some injuries. I don't know, but man, yeah. it was the largest halftime lead for Virginia tech since the Georgia tech shutout, the 45, nothing shutout. Wow. 
And that was the game that I likened this game to on Monday was that if I was trying to think of a game in recent history where we just dominated, it was that Georgia Tech game in 2019. Yeah. There are not, there's just not too many where you're giving up like about three yards per play and getting eight sacks and yeah. going and up. Zero rushing yards. Right. Right. Zero, zero rushing yards, which I don't know if you saw that video of Pry in the locker room after the game. No. He, he looks like he's on cocaine. Like he's oh. just like, he's like, we had 318 rushing yards and they had zero. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like going crazy. Like, <laughs> that's absolutely, I got to go back and watch that. Yeah, dude. It's, I forget. It was on, I saw it somewhere on Twitter, but I'm sure it's, it's floating around the message boards or whatever. Absolutely. But it was our fourth game this year with 30 or more points. We talked about the dynamic offense and, and how great it's been since that Marshall game. Three consecutive ACC wins. This season is playing out so similarly to 2019 right now. Like yes. it, with the bat, wrong quarterback, the wrong transfer quarterback to start, and then the right mobile quarterback in later. And this game coming up, a trip out to the Midwest, which game does that remind you of that season? Oh, no. I'm blanking now. What, 2019? Yeah. It was the game we lost on our run. The Notre Dame game. Oh, the Notre Dame when we went out. Yes. Because oh, they were man. a top, they were, yeah. you know, a top 15 team. We're on yeah. the road in Notre Dame's house. Hooker couldn't play. So yeah, we had to start right. QP. Yeah. And without the Diablo run back from the one yard line, <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have been in the game, but we were. And that's the kind of stuff we're going to need when we go up against Louisville. And we will detail that. I think we can go there now because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm out. Do you have anything left on this game? No, just that I, I think it's because we're going to we're going to talk about Louisville, and I think I want to focus on that game. I think coming out of a win, the, the team is third in the ACC. I know, uh, outright third. Know. Um, and I know that's because other teams have had five conference games, so some teams are three and two, and we're three and one. But how bizarre is that? It's... After how this season started, um, granted, we have a very tough matchup coming up this week that could sway those numbers materially, but um, no, it's, crazy. it's incredible, man. It's yeah. crazy. And the fact of the matter is, I don't know about you, but I feel like everyone but Florida State's getting two losses or more this year in the ACC. I think like, I, I know Louisville could beat us and then. You know, maybe they would stay with one, but they still yeah. got to play Miami, and it's the ACC, dude. Like these teams aren't that far apart from each other. Yeah, I mean, look what happened in the pit game, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the worst pit team since 1998. Yeah. And I, I mean, I went back and looked. Pitt won two games in '98. This is literally the worst team since then. It's it's been wow. 25 years, and Louisville lost to them. Yeah. And so, so if you think they're unbeatable, you would be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is true. Uh, all right, before we get to Louisville, the 2D Pokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by Roback. You guys know Roback. We've been talking about them all the time. They're performance activewear designed for those who crave activity. It's the polo company that brought you those beautiful Virginia polos, the ones with the maroons, the ones with the orange Virginias. And now they have the, the zip up, the quarter zip, which is called the Berg. 
Uh, I have the, me and Robbie have the white Commonwealths. All their stuff is, is made so well. And there were approximately, I don't know, a thousand rowback <laughs> polos when I was at the game this past <laughs> weekend. Like I, I was glad I didn't wear mine because like literally everyone had them on. Um, oh, but wow. it was, it's still cool to see. And so right now they're offering our listeners 20% off using the code 2DVT. They've got, they've got the polos, but they've got hoodies and tees. They've got women's stuff, joggers, tennis skirts. So make sure to go to their site, load up your cart and use code 2DVT for 20% off your order. Rowback Crave Activity. Heading out to Louisville, Bourbon Trail, 11 3.30 p.m. game right in the meaty part of that afternoon. Coach Jeff Brom comes in this year. He takes over for Satterfield. That was a huge swap for them in terms of coaching upgrade. A big coaching. Yeah, Satterfield that didn't go well. He had lost the locker room. And um, Brom is a, you know, one of the, I wouldn't say like the greatest, but a very, very good and talented offensive mind. And yeah, I think it's a, a huge, less of a, um, they thought Satterfield would have been like a cohesion type coach and it ended up being the complete opposite after he lost the locker room. Um, but Brom um, is certainly a, a huge upgrade from an offensive uh, firepower standpoint. And that's what we're, you know, we're, we're seeing it. Um, when I got in the numbers, there's some, there's some, there's definitely some stuff that popped out to me, but I'll be interested yeah. to go through it with you. One of the big storylines with Louisville in the offseason was the portal because Brom brought over some Purdue players, but he also brought in players from just all over Hell's Half Acre. And they had 25 portal guys, including their starting quarterback, Jack Plummer, a couple stud receivers, a, a six-year offensive tackle on Eric Miller. And, and you combine that with how many guys they lost to the draft and undrafted free agents to the NFL, 11 guys that went to other P5 teams off the roster, the turnover was preposterous, like absolutely the most ridiculous turnover. Like you could, other than Colorado, yeah, like so it was the, the, the second most of any team. And I thought they would have some growing pains and Hey, they almost lost to Georgia tech. They almost lost to NC state. Like this hasn't been a team that's just been smoking people, mm-hmm. but for what they had to bring together in a short period of time, being seven and one with wins over Notre Dame and Louisville, Notre Dame and Louisville, Notre Dame and Duke, yeah. I mean, dang, that's, that's, that is really impressive. I didn't expect it to be like this. And coming off a, an absolute domination of Duke 23 to nothing. Um, they, they blanked, um, the blue devils and you know, at the time, at the time that was a top 20 Duke team. They I mean, that's a, that's a big win. It's yeah. a big win. That was, um, that was huge. And their only misstep was allowing Pitt to do pit things. They almost had a couple other missteps like you, uh, like you said, but um, I, I think the, the, it's a 12 point spread it opened as, um, in terms of the game. Uh, I, I don't know where to go with that. I, I, I feel like it's a lot of points, but, um, it's, it's, it's dropped a little because I think yeah. it's, it's like what under 10 now it's like nine and yeah. a half or so. Mm-hmm. So that that's always good to see, to see that the line coming and I, I know Louisville has a couple big wins, but I, I did personally think that 12 points, I was shocked to see that number when, yeah. at first when, when it came out. You want to talk about this quarterback in the offense? Yeah, Jack Plummer. He's been solid this year. Um, he's thrown two picks. He threw two picks in the Murray State game, the NC State game, and in the Pitt game. He lit up uh, Boston College and Georgia Tech uh, with um, 
five touchdowns and three touchdowns respectively, but otherwise is throwing about like one touchdown a game. Like those were the kind of the two big outliers. Um, 70th in the nation in QBR, about the same place that drones is, though getting yeah. there through the air. Obviously, he doesn't have any real running ability um, on on the ground. Um, it's 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 not him, um, I guess, in terms of the success this year. It's been good, but not great, um, you know. And he's turnover prone in in some games, and it it cost him in the pit game. It almost cost him in the NC State game. So, I and know. the only reason it didn't cost him in the other one was because they were playing Murray. And I was looking at those same numbers you were, and five touchdowns against BC is just that game is such an outlier. Five touchdowns, zero picks against BC. Good job, great job by you, buddy. But like, other than that game, he's eight touchdowns, eight interceptions in yep. the last four games. His last four most recent games, he's thrown one or none TD passes, yep. and. In the most recent game, he didn't throw one. And I know they, they didn't really need it. Jordan was running well, and they blanked Duke. But you're right on. This, he's average. We kind of knew he was average coming into the year. And if he doesn't have a 319 passer rating against BC, his 151 on the year is is much lower. He's a better he's a better passer than a runner. That's, that's without a doubt. He's only got 18 rush yards in the year. And in ACC play, I think he's in the negative. So he's a little bit of a statue. And that is great if you're thinking about what our D-line's been doing. Yep. But I, I think this is a quarterback. We we may very well have the better quarterback in the matchup. Yes, I would agree with that. And catching the ball for them, um, it's really it, – this team is so weird given that they're 7-1, and one, right? They have Jamari Thrash, and then they have everybody else. Yeah. So Thrash has 46 receptions, 712 yards, and six touchdowns. Behind him – you have six players that have between 100 and 230 yards, and they have six touchdowns between them, right? It is, um, it's... He's by far their best guy. Like, yeah, by far their best guy. So you know what you got to deal with and on the in the receiving threat, but the the real, where the rubber meets the road is with um, Jawar Jordan. Uh, he's a stud, 824 yards this year, 110 carries uh, and 10 touchdowns. The running game is definitely solid, and uh, that's where they make hay. And they do have a decent backup, too, in Guarendo, like He's a bigger back, three touchdowns for him, in addition to the 10 touchdowns that Jordan has. Jordan already has more yards this year than he did all of last year. And wow. we're and we're only eight games in, so he's putting on a show, and he's at seven and a half yards per carry, which is yeah. exactly what he was last year. This isn't a flash in the pan; like he he gets to the hole, he's quick, not the biggest back in the world, but dang, if he can't run it, man. So I am I am worried about Jordan, and I, I'll talk. We'll talk about the matchup a little bit later. But moving on yeah. to their offensive line, it's been good, not amazing. They've given up a fair amount of sacks because, as I said. The quarterback's not mobile, 34th in TFL allowed, so a little bit better there because they they run the ball really well. Yep. And they did lose that starter on the O-line. They still have Brian Hudson, which, gosh, I wish we still had him on tech, dude, because he, yeah. he was good when we had him, and now he's like all ACC caliber. Yeah. Um, like yeah. us, I, I want to just make a comment about their third down. They haven't been great on third down either. Yep. And, and I think they're at 37 37.5% on third down, which is 86th. We're, we're a little below that, but they have not been clutch. And a lot of times that that does reflect poorly on your quarterback is to not yeah. have a great third down percentage. 
I would agree with um, with all that. I do have, you have a, any a couple... final notes on offense, or do you want to flip the defense? I have a. They might fall into the matchup camp. Um, so let me hit. I'll hit it when we get to the, okay. kind of the matchup. Before we talk about defense, I just wanted to show you guys the can. This is the Hefeweizen, the Fighting Hokies Hefeweizen, rather than the Fighting Hokies Lager, five and a half percent, and it's a better beer than Fighting Hokies Lager. And I actually think the can is super attractive as well. I, and even if you're not a big Hefeweizen person, like you could you could almost dislike Hefeweizens. And this would still be a better beer than Fighting Hokies Lager. It, it's I had one last night. It's a good, solid Hefeweizen. So I'm pleased that they didn't make maybe the same mistakes they made on the lager. Like they they produced a really good quality beer, and it comes in the pounder can. And so I would recommend the the Hefeweizen that they made. The the fact that they went with a lager as their first like beer under this whole concept. Yeah, it befuddled me at the time, and it ended up being a bad idea, like I thought it would be, uh, because it's just, it's it's not do an IPA, do a hefeweizen, do do something. You know what right? I was thinking, Rob, is that yeah. it wasn't that they went with a lager; it was almost that they went with a traditional, like as they call them, heavy lager. Like they should have just gone with a light beer. If they're going to make a lager, just, just make a light beer or make a Pilsner or something that cause people drink during games, you know, like four yeah. and a half percent or a session, IP, you know, something, but a traditional lager is just not, it's not one of the main types of beer right now that people are drinking. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And also I did want to show this, uh, the warlock, which I had last night on Halloween, last day of October. So I went with the Warlock. It was a perfect Halloween beer. Tweeted it out from the account last night. It's a strong one. 8.6%, but probably one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite pumpkin beers and 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 really one of my favorite beers all the time because I, I, it's, a, it's a stout and I, I just love it. So I got, I have a shipment that I just got a text message, got ordered. It's sitting outside of my door, which I can see from Athletic Brewing. And I will have those on at least one, maybe two on next week's podcast. I have a Dark and Gordy, which is a uh, pumpkin stout, um, which I'm excited about. And then I, um, a Citrus IPA, which are two um, new beers that they just released. So I'm excited. That's awesome, buddy. Yeah, I want to hear how that stout is. Yeah. This defense for Louisville has been very solid. 25th in yards per play. They kind of, they play that four two five. They got a Leo position and a star position. 12th in yards per carry against. They are doing a really good job shutting down the run, at least in my estimation. What were you seeing from this team on a broad sense? Yeah, I think um, shutting down the run, it's a top, I would say it's a top, it depends on the stats that you want to use. I think it's a top 20 defense by most metrics. Um, and the it's really led by their rush defense. They're passing uh, defense is not as good, but they are like number nine in the nation on third down um, conversion stops. Um, they they stop it. You know, they're number 10, I think, in rushing yards allowed. They're 44th in passing yards allowed. And um, I think it is when I was trying to figure out how they were doing it, because their havoc numbers are not that great, um, quite honestly. I, it is a very good contain run defense versus a kind of explosive, um, you know, make a lot of sacks. They have 19 sacks on the year, like six fumbles forced, I think. 
um, more, more interceptions, nine interceptions, but it's 70th in the nation in tackles for a loss. So the only way I can kind of, you know, put it in my own words is it is very good at containing offenses um, versus creating a whole bunch of havoc um, through sacks and, and things in the backfield. So last year, Louisville led the nation in sacks, which is uh, most people don't remember that Pitt was two, Louisville was one. So that has changed under this new Brom and coaching staff scheme. Like they're, they're 47th in sacks per game. It's dropped off significantly. That's what you're talking about with the, the difference in the havoc numbers. They're, they're yes. not there, but it's a balanced defense that does a lot of things well. And it actually, if you look at the offense and the defense on this team production wise, it's very balanced across the board. There's not a clear weakness because if they have to throw it, they have been able to throw it. If they have to play against the pass, they can, they can stop the run. So that's one thing that's been tough for me analyzing this team is what do we do? You know, like, what do we do in this game? Their D line is deep. It's good. Gillette, 10 tackles for lost. He was really good last season. He's a good again. He's got eight and a half sacks, four more hurries, two force fumbles, fills the stat sheet and the rotation on the D line, whether it's Rager or tell per year, Heron has five hurries on the year. Yeah. And so I worry about them. And then that two of the four, two, five, that's a good linebacking core. Yeah. Yeah. TJ Quinn, I think he has, he has 21 more tackles than the next highest person on the team. That linebacker. <laughs> that, that is, that's mind blowing. Um, yeah. I, I can't even believe it. And I think he, it, it's so weird. Um, yeah. So stout uh, up front with some depth um, and the linebackers are good. And then in the backfield, they have Cameron Kelly and Devin Neal have five interceptions between them. So I think the way that you characterize it is uh, aptly appropriate in in saying that if they have to do, if they have to stop the run, then they can do it. If they have to stop the pass, because that's you know the flavor of the day that you're choosing to try and beat them up on, they can do that as well. I would say that they are are better overall with that D line on on stopping the run. Yeah, and it's funny to see Cameron Kelly finally contributing on his fifth team or whatever <laughs> it is because he's yep. second on their team in tackles, two interceptions, two TFL, forced fumble, pass breakup. Yep. He's he's playing well. Devin Neal has three interceptions. Brownlee and Riley are both putting up pass breakup numbers. Like, we, we've said the pass D is worse, but, like, there's some good players in this. In this I know. Secondary. There is. Um... So and they're third, they're third ranked in red zone defense. Yes. And so you take into account the problems we've been having in the red zone uh, mm-hmm. and they're third on red zone ranked defense. So like, it's an issue. Like that's going to be where yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, the who's last in the nation. The, yeah. Who, who's ranked 130th? Oh, Virginia Tech. Yeah. yeah right. 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 <laughs> that's yeah. percentage. Yeah. It's 124. Yeah. Uh, their special teams, I think, is is average. They lost their kicker after spring practice, um, but they've been generally fine. It, that that pit game is really the only glaring, and it is glaring, yeah. flaw of this season for them. I kind of wish, going to the overall thoughts, I kind of wish we had gotten them earlier in the season. Yeah. Like when they were playing Georgia Tech, although we weren't playing well then either. So I'll take it now because – them coming off this Duke big win, they're back, you know, in the top 15 in the CFP rankings. 
this about is as good a spot as any, I think, to get them. The fact that it's on the road sucks, but I do yeah. feel like in the season-wise, the way we're playing and where they're at coming off a win, it's the best spot we could have got them. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. Um, the My concern, we've talked about the defense. I will be very interested to see what Bowen and the offense do to try and attack what is a very um, good defense, um, well-rounded and um, solid defense. I, I, that I'm, that I don't know. I, I don't know what we're going to roll out there given what we've had. And I'm excited to see that. And I would be guessing if I were to, you know, sit here and talk about what I think we will do. However, I am worried on the other side, what Brom is going to cook up. I'm not worried about the players right? The talent and plumber and the receivers, they have like one, you know, with thrash, one key receiver. We know that, um, that, uh, Jawa Jordan is very good and we'll have to keep that on our radar, but I'm more worried about the scheme that got, that Brahm is going to cook up for this game than I am any individual player that we're going to have, um, and face in, in the game. Yeah. And our recent success with the Rusty comes at a very good time. Yes. Because if we want any shot of winning, we need to shut George, George Jordan down or at least contain him a decent amount. I can't have him running all over like Benson did for Florida State. Like that, right. We're not going to win if that's the case. And so we just keep it going. I don't know what what we're doing different. I mean, I know Jaden Keller hasn't been playing. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but the, But otherwise, like they're just playing better. Lawson's playing better. Tisdale's playing better. And – and I know that getting the safeties back healthy has been a big thing too. And so I really hope that Stroman can be out there for this one because I think we're going to need him. What you said initially though, that defense is really tough. Yeah. And what Kyron is going to have to have his, an incredible game. Yes. If, if we are going to win, because I do feel like this is going to be a passing that we're going to have to pass well. We can't just rely on the run in this game because they do such a good job stuffing the run. We're going to have to do what we kind of did against Wake where where we threw it 29, 30 times. Like we, we really might have to do that. And Ky- Kyron in that game, he showed that he could do it. And right. Wake, we can trash these last couple opponents because we beat them so bad. They weren't playing awful defense. No. Like they, they Neither one of them, and even Pitt, yeah. None of those teams were playing awful defense and yep. we made all three of them look silly. Yeah. And so I, it's, I I'm worried about Brahms offense, but I think they should be worried about our offense too. Yeah. Because I would agree with that. I, I even Notre Dame, think about Notre Dame's offense this year with Sam Hartman and Estime. It has not been dynamic. Like no. it is, they, they've been missing some playmakers on the outside and it hasn't been a dynamic offense and Louisville, they beat them good. They, they were able to shut them down to a degree, get some interceptions, whatever. We are playing well on offense right now against mm-hmm. solid defenses, and we need to keep it going here. And I, I know Louisville's a different echelon. We haven't beaten a quality, as people would call, quality team yet. Yeah. But I think we can. I, I really give us a fighting chance going into this one. I would say, yeah, it's, a, it's going to be tough. And if... If Kyron Jones doesn't have a good night, if he has a night similar, you know, passing to what just happened in the Syracuse game, and it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. If we have that and we're not able to establish the run because they are better at stopping it, 
it, it could be it could very quickly become a very tough matchup um yeah. for us and and get out of hand quickly that said if we play like we did against syracuse play like we did against wake play like we did against Pitt, and have that same type of game i think we can keep this a game and and make it a good one yeah yeah i i do and if we're likening the season to 2019 and likening this game to notre dame we will be in we were in that game until ian book drove right down the field and scored on us at the end like we were we had a chance to beat notre dame with a backup quarterback in a season where we had been struggling louisville is not that notre dame team you know, Jack Plummer is not Ian Book, and they yeah. don't have Chase Claypool and and, and whoever else <laughs> Little over on the other side. And so we can absolutely go out there and get this win. We might not, but we can. And if we were to, we already control our own destiny in the ACC. But win this game, you are in the driver's seat. And yep. that's something – Price said he would be mad at the players if they were thinking about the ACC title game. But it's all linked. It's all linked together. Like if yeah. you want a chance to win the title, you got to win this week. You got to go one and zero this week. And if yeah. we do, we'll have a tremendous chance because all the teams we play are are beatable teams. They are yeah. all beatable teams. There is no top five team left on this schedule. And so I'm I'm stoked, dude. And to see this turnaround, you, you think about when teams and coaching staffs have this rubber meets the road moments. Mm-hmm. And like Scott Frost couldn't overcome, you know, like he kept yeah. losing those close games and he could never dig out. Fuente lost mm-hmm. a lot of one score games, could never quite win that one that was going to, you know, push us over the top after 2019. And this staff is, has turned the tide yeah. and we, we, I want to see it keep going. I don't want, I don't want a gap, you know, I don't want that yeah. Notre Dame loss. I want to, I want to keep this going. I, I want to keep it. I want to keep it going, but regardless of how this game goes, I don't want one game to derail things for us on what has been a monumental shift in the mentality and the performance on the field uh, by this team. But believe me, that that is very that is a lot easier done by going out and, and getting a W against this Louisville team. It's still very possible to take an L play well in this game, still take an L and, and keep the momentum going through the rest of the season. I don't want to see that, but uh, I, I do think, um, like you said, it's it's a remarkable turnaround where um, that we're seeing. And I, I, I hope it continues. I would, I would love nothing more than to get this L and just see it kind of roll into the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and you're, you're, you're dead on. I mean, and, and people expect us to lose this game. I mean, it's a 10-point spread. So if we lose it, we lose it. And then we're going to come. We're going to come back, play some some other teams that we have a very good shot against, including a game at home against NC State. And we can we can do that. I mean that that same season back to back shutouts. And I know I keep likening it to that, but it's just you can see every football season. Some of them like they mirror each other. There's there's roadmaps throughout a year, and this is it's fun already because as as Hokie Hack said in the call, like I, I just I love this team. I'm so proud of them for the way they've they stuck to their guns and stuck to the process and turned it around. And I'm proud of Coach Pry and the staff for yeah. for really. I mean, it was it was probably getting a little bleak like after yeah. that after that Marshall game, and they it were able tough. to rally this team. Yeah, I mean, we were ranking it amongst the top you know losses for Virginia Tech. It's a pretty bleak place to be. Uh, One of the worst P five teams in the country, right? Yeah, we were saying for, that. 
yeah, four four games into the season. So yeah, I w- couldn't be more pleased with with how it's gone since we're four and four. Still a great chance to go to a bowl. We got to get two of our last four games, and I think we can do it. Let's move to the picks, Rob, because yep. there is a heck of a slate in college football this weekend. First pick we're going to do is K State at Texas. Texas five and a half point favorites at home. I'll let you go first. I, you know what? I'm 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 going with K State in this game. So uh, me too. I I think I don't know why, but I feel like they could keep this game to a field goal and and maybe make something crazy happen. I'll tell you why, because they've got a new quarterback and K-State has been kicking total ass for four weeks. (laughs) They have been doing awesome. So I'm taking K-State to cover as well, and and they might just win outright in Austin. Mizzou at Georgia. Georgia, 16 and a half point favorites. We have another Death Star candidate here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I... I I had Mizzou in this game, but I, I like Mizzou. I like I know, and um, I, I'm sticking with it. I I like Mizzou. I think that Georgia has been um, kind of boat racing people, right? And it, it hasn't been any flashy like stuff. It's just been kind of you know consistent. And I, I but I think Mizzou could could keep this one you know somewhat close. They could. Uh, I I'm not in love with this pick. I'm going to take Georgia. Because mm-hmm. I picked Florida last week, and I'm I'm gonna just go the other way because I do think that they've they've kind of finished messing with things, and Carson Beck's playing really well, so yeah. I'm gonna take Georgia, but I, I don't feel great about it. Penn State at Maryland, Maryland ten and a half point underdogs at home. Maryland just took a really ugly L to yeah. Northwestern, uh, and Penn State, man, they were yeah. that game against Indiana was was tight. Like Indiana almost pulled that thing off. That would have been so bad. Um, yeah, 33, 24, I'm going to go with Penn state. I think maybe the Indiana game and kind of playing with their food in that one, um, may kind of spark the locker room a little bit to come out and take things a little bit more seriously. I know Penn state has gone down to Maryland in the past and beat them by 50. And then I also know other games where Maryland comes out and, and they win, you know, when they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take Maryland on a bounce back. Okay. And uh, we'll see what happens. I like the hook. OU at OK State. What an awesome game this is going to be. Because OK oh, yeah. State, just like Kansas State, has been rolling. They're, they've got a Heisman candidate at running back. Believe it or not, Ollie Gordon has been unreal for Oklahoma State. And they are six and a half point underdogs at home. I'll go first, and I'm taking OK State. I'm also going OK State. I, after taking... I'm wondering if the wheels might come off a little bit here for, for Oklahoma, and I feel like they may. Uh, not, maybe not just rack up a ton of losses, but not not perform the way they had been you know, for, for the other parts of the season. Yeah, I agree. I just think that Gundy found something with this team, and and they're working people right now. And so I, I like OK State. And finally, our last pick we're going to make is LSU at Alabama. Bama, four and a half point favorites. Man. This is a tough because Bama was off this past week. We didn't I see know. Him. And I think LSU might have been off too, actually. Um, after they crushed Army two weeks ago. What Everybody's waiting with? for like the Death Star to reactivate. And <laughs> the defensive Death Star has been pretty good, but not on offense, they haven't been there. I know. I don't know that it's gonna activate. I don't. I don't know that it's it's there. We'll be talking about Saban, I think, in the off season and and what 
you know, if he's going to wind things down, quite frankly, um, he's getting old. Uh, I am going to go LSU. And I know. Yeah, I'm taking LSU also. That defense is tough, but uh, they can put up points. Yeah, I I agree. I think if you're going, if you're LSU right now, they've kind of shown the ability to score on anyone. But when you have an offense in Alabama's that can get stifled at times, that might work out well for LSU. And I also think LSU coming off a bye, which I do think they had a bye, that could be helpful for yeah. for their defense. Yeah, I was so. just looking at what they did last week, and I can't find it. I think they had a bye. Yeah. Okay. So I'll take LSU as well, plus four and a half. If you're looking just at the slate in general, the other ones that are big, Washington and USC, and that's yeah. at at USC. I think USC could pull that game off despite how much hate I've given USC this year. They're still dangerous. <laughs> like that's a dangerous team. Yep. Um, is there anything else good here? Um, we're one of the better games, honestly, if you ask me. And then, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of good games, but, Oh, uh, Notre Dame Clemson. Oh yeah. Notre Dame and Clemson. That's, which, that's sweet. which is less fun than maybe it probably should have been, you know, going into the season. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what else is good? UCLA, Arizona. That's going to be good because Arizona's been playing really well and UCLA's ranked. Kansas at Iowa State. Like, Mm -hmm. Kansas is, is, as we saw, is a pretty good team. Iowa State, only one loss in the Big 12 right now. So they're they're fighting. And uh, Air Force and Army, that's always Yeah, Air Force Army, I was just looking at that. JMU plays Georgia State, too. And JMU's Uh, undefeated. And that's going to be a good game. Yep. So that'll do it for for the roundup about this weekend's games. If we had a 12 team playoff and Doug Bowman put this out there, there would be like double the amount of intriguing games this weekend, as opposed to the four team. There's still a lot of intriguing games, but yeah. it's just kind of funny. And uh, how much that's going to change everything next season. Yeah. And those people still clamoring that the 14 playoff are just embarrassing themselves week after week. They get on <laughs> podcasts and they claim, It'll be the same four teams. It's like, okay, yeah. Look at what it would be right now. Right, right. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks for joining me, Rob. Uh, great episode. I'm so excited to be talking about like meaningful November of football with you for the I first know. time in a while. Like we're not we're not watching if our coach should get fired. We're not watching if we can beat Liberty. Like we're playing a game for what could lead to a spot in the ACC title game, which I is just insanity (laughs) it's wild and it's fantastic all right make sure you subscribe on apple podcast spotify to the 2d podcast also subscribe to the sons of saturday youtube channel and go check out billy and pat shows they're putting out a lot of great content as well and our basketball stuff will be coming up soon sons of saturday just put out a sign up for the women's game at Rutgers. We did the football Ooh. game at Rutgers, but the women's basketball team's playing away game at Rutgers and and I'm going and I know those guys are coming up for it. So that should be really fun too. So look for that on the, on their Twitter feed. Sweet. I think that's it. Leave us a review, like the video, all the good stuff. And until next time when hopefully we're celebrating a big win out on out in Louisville. Go Hokies. <laughs>